well, this is the season of year, supposed to be the season of joy. Right? We sing joy to the world, right? But it can be a season that we're so busy hustling and bustling and buying presents and getting the house ready and decorations that you ever get to the point and think, is, is it worth it? You just get kind of wore out and tired. It can happen. But Jesus came to redeem our lives and to redeem our relationships and to help us really walk in his love, peace, and joy. Amen? We're going to look at a story, a very familiar story for Christmas in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 2, verses 4 to 15, and then verse 20. It says, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, wrapped him in cloths, and placed him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, and praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And in verse 20, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Familiar story about the shepherds. The shepherds are interesting people. They were the common laborers of their day. Okay, They were, you know, Joe the plumber, Bob the electrician, Ray the television guy. That was kind of who they were, okay? And they had all kinds of expectations of them. For example, they were to care for the flocks. They would lead the flocks out at day and then bring them back at night. And then there was times of the year where they had to stay out all day and all night with them because of the, 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 the sheep were having babies. If a sheep got lost, it was the... It was the shepherd's responsibility to leave the flock and go look for that lost sheep and either find it or its remains and bring them back so he could prove to the owner, hey, this is what happened, right? He knew he had to know his sheep because the sheep only drink from kind of, you know, still waters. And so if there was a stream, they would have to go and dig actually a little pool and make the water come into a pool so the sheep would drink from it because they wouldn't drink from this rushing water. The shepherd had to find the grass that the sheep would eat. At night... If there was a sheep fold, particularly out in the country, they would bring the sheep all inside this and they would literally lay down and become the gate to the sheep pen so that nobody could get in and out without passing by them. It was a hard life with little reward. Okay? They were uh, out there exposed to the extremes of heat and cold. And they ate things like figs and pods from carob tree and bugs. Okay? John the Baptist wasn't the only one to eat locusts. The, the shepherds probably ate locusts. Okay? They would have to fight off wild animals, uh, lions and wolves and leopards and bears. And sometimes if they could find one, they might stay all night in a cave that was out, out in the countryside somewhere. Because of their lifestyle, shepherds were basically outcasts. Okay? Nobody really wanted to hang out with them. They were not trusted because nobody really knew who they were. And it was to these people that God sent his angels with a divine message. 
to bring them joy. They were, imagine this, they were sitting and talking and maybe trying to watch the sheep, but most likely it was springtime. I know we got this tradition that Jesus was born in December, but because they were out watching their flocks by night, that generally happened in the spring when the ewes were having puppies. Sheeplets. When they're having lambs, that's it. And so it was usually in the springtime when that was happening. So it was probably March, maybe. And they had to stay out there because they had to wait till the babies were born. And so they're probably watching sheep, talking, just going about their everyday routine. And suddenly there's this bright light. There's this loud chorus of angels. And there's this voice saying, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. It probably rattled their world a little bit, didn't it? Shook them up a little bit. God just suddenly shows up in the middle of their day, in the middle of their routine, and says, Boy, do I have good news for you. Here's what they said. I bring you good news of great joy that's for everybody. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born. This is a sign you'll find him wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. I mean, it's, it's this wonderful news that God knows what's going on. God knows your life. God's coming to you. God's reaching out to you. God's saying, I'm coming to you in the middle of your day and your routine to tell you I care about you. I love you. I want to become your shepherd. I want to carry you in my arms like you do your, your sheep. I want to have you close to my heart. I want to lead you. Those were things a shepherd could grasp. God's saying, you know, as you protect your sheep, I want to now be your protector. You know, as you're the gate for your sheep to keep them safe, I want to be the gate now to your life to keep you safe. As you lead your flock, I want to lead you. As you restore them, I want to restore you. This was a message the shepherds could understand. This was a message the shepherds could grasp. That God comes to us right where we are, right who we are, says, I want to be involved in your life. I want you to understand who I am. And I want to identify with where you're at. I know your struggles. I know your pains. I know you're an outcast. And nobody wants to hang out with you. I know that. But I come to you and say, I want to hang out with you. I want to be with you. No wonder it's good news of great joy, right? Because God said, I want to be your shepherd. And I'm sure the shepherds at that point, you know, they knew the scriptures, right? And if they're hearing and God's kind of implying, you know, I want to be your protector. I want to watch over with my rod and my staff. I I, I want to be the the, the, the one who cares for you. There's probably a psalm that was stuck out in their mind, don't you think? Is there any psalm that stick out in your mind that talks about the shepherds? 23rd Psalm, right? They understood that psalm because that was the shepherd's psalm, right? Where God is, in a sense, saying, I'm going to be like you. I'm going to become like you. And let's look at that psalm a little bit this morning. You probably, most of you probably cite it by heart, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was a very personal psalm that David wrote in a very trying time in his life. 
So let's just look at a few lines of this, okay? And how it might spoke to the shepherd and how it speaks to us. The Lord saying, I am your shepherd. If you lived out in the fields like that, if you were constantly fighting thieves and wild animals and even amongst yourselves once in a while and trying to keep the sheep alive, it was a pretty rough life, wasn't it? Okay? They didn't have a nice tent to live in. They, didn't have, they, just, you know, they found a cave or slept under the stars. If it rained, they got wet. And God's saying, as you protect your sheep, I come to be your protector. Isn't it nice to know we have a God that wants to be our protector? That God wants to be there for us and with us in those hard moments and trying moments? That God knows that, that if we get caught out in, in, in this storm of life, He wants to be our shelter? That's pretty good news, isn't it? That should bring you joy, right? Joy that, hey, Jesus is coming to say, look, I'm with you right where you are. I want to be the one who watches over you. I want to become your shepherd and carry you close in my arms. I want to let you know my love and my compassion. I want you to know I'm there for you, wherever you go. I mean, that's who our good shepherd is, right? Our good shepherd is Jesus, who says, I am the good shepherd. I will lay down my life for, for my sheep, right? And just as the Father knows me, I know the Father and will lay down my life for those who follow me. So if we believe in Jesus as our protector, we believe Jesus is watching over us, the next line in that psalm is, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. I have no wants. Do you have wants? This is the year of wants, right? The time of year of wants. What's the question? What do you want for Christmas? Right? But this says, if the Lord is my shepherd, I I have no wants. Why is that? Because I am protected by the God, the creator of all things, who stepped in my world, understands where I'm at, and says, he will watch over me, care for me, and, and protect me. I have lots of wants at times, don't I? Well, you don't know, but at times I do. But the Lord said, I'm really all you need. Yeah, I know you need shelter. I know you need food in your stomach. I know you need water to drink from. I know you need clothing on your back. I understand that. I know you want to be accepted and liked and appreciated. I understand that too. I know it would be nice to have this or that. But I want you to know, if you believe and trust in me, I'm there for you. If you follow me, you have no wants. That's called freedom. I am free, right? I'm free in Jesus, amen? If I believe this, if I trust in Jesus and believe he's the one that's there watching over me, then that's the truth that sets me free if I live it. Amen? I think it's good stuff. Then its next line says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. The thing about sheep is you cannot make them lie down. Okay? In other words, sheep are what we call stubborn. Now, none of us are stubborn, are we? Huh? Sheep have to have several things before they lie down. They have to be well fed. have to be well watered. They have to feel like they're safe from any kind of enemies that's there, okay? So the Hebrew of this, of this verse literally reads, The Lord has made me feel secure and cared for, so now I can relax and settle down. That's what it's saying. 
Hear that. The Lord has made me feel secure and cared for, so now I can relax and settle down. Because that's what happens to sheep. Once they know they're cared for and taken, and, you know, then they can relax and settle down and sleep. Okay? So these shepherds are, are saying, hey, God's saying, you know, he's, he's going to care for us. He's going to say, you know, you can relax because I'm here. I'm watching over you. You know, their Lord is coming to do the very same thing that they do for their sheep. You don't need to feel like nobody cares because I care. We don't need to feel like nobody cares because Jesus cares for us. And you can cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Boy, that's enough to make us feel joy, amen? This is the wonderful news. It brings in, actually, in, 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 the, in the Greek of that verse, it's wonderful news that brings you mega joy. I like that. Right? And think of David. David's one that wrote Psalm 23. If you think of David's life a little bit, I mean, just, just think. He'd gone through what? Adultery. Dealt with incest. Dealt with betrayal. Dealt with civil war. Treachery. His own son stabbing in the back, so to speak. His own son being killed. David understood all those life issues. He says, but the Lord is there watching over me and holding me close. And I have no wants. I know we've bumped this passage of scripture probably several times since I've been here. But you know what? I need to be reminded every so often that I don't need to worry. Any of you guys in here worriers? You know, there's five, five truthful people, right? The rest of us going... Right? What caused you to worry? Stuff you see on the news? I've learned something in my life that about 85% of things I worry about never happen. And 85% of things I don't worry about do happen. So I guess I'm worrying just about the right amount, right? Why do we worry? It doesn't help, does it? A passage of scripture I I mentioned is is from Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking. He says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, your body, what you shall wear, is not life more than food, and your body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns, yet your Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than birds? And we'll stop there, because I'm going to read about seven, eight more verses there. But Jesus is saying, why do you worry about your life? Why do you worry about what's going on around you? If we believe that the Lord is our shepherd, he's caring for us and watching over us, and we can just really enjoy every day, right? We can sing joy to the world today. Because Jesus is there, and he's caring for us and watching over us and providing for us. He's a shepherd guiding and directing. And why, and which of you by worrying can add one single hour to his life? Does worry add time to your life? What does it do? It actually does, doesn't it? They talk about how worry can constrict the blood vessels and do all kinds of damage to your body. Almost as much damage as if you drank like a, or drank, drank like a pack of cigarettes every day. Yeah, <laughs> Smoked a pack of cigarettes every day. You know, it, it damages your body. 
And Jesus says this question now in verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. They do not labor or spin. Even Solomon in all of his splendor is not dressed like one of these. If that's how God so clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the oven, won't he surely clothe you, O you of little faith? You know, why do we worry about that? What is it about style? I mean, I'm a guy, I know. Okay? And I've never worried too much about style. I love bell-bottom pants. The big bell-bottoms, man. Because that was from my era, man. You would walk in there, swish, swish, and everybody, could, you know. I love bell-bottom pants. Okay? My wife won't let me wear them. <laughs> They're not in style. Who cares? You know, what is it about that? Why do we worry about what we wear? What does it concern us? Why do we have to buy, you know, clothes with their people's names on the pockets and animals on the, you know, on the, up here? It's like, who cares? Because when you get tired, you've got an alligator on your, you know, up here, he kind of slips off, you know, he can't find him. Jesus says, don't worry about those things. God knows. Look how God cares for the grass of the field. Look how God cares and beautifies the flowers. And if God cares for them, won't he care for you, oh, you a little faith? So don't worry. Don't worry. The next verse in his passage in Matthew. Here it is. Again, so do not worry, saying... What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I'm going to read one more verse after this. He says, why do you worry about all those things? Because the people that don't know God, the unbelievers, worry about all those things. You know? Why do we do it? He says, if you're followers of mine... You seek me first. You trust me first. You believe in me first. Then all of these other things my father will care for. Does that mean you're going to wear a $1,000 suit? Probably not. But it means your father will care for you. Steak and taters every night? Probably not. Maybe baked beans and cornbread. But your father will care for you. Does it mean you're going to live in a mansion? You know, it's got 45 bathrooms and 27 bedrooms. Why would you need that many bathrooms anyway? Ever see these houses? They got more bathrooms and bedrooms than some of these houses. I, I know, I'm thinking out loud. That's dangerous. This house has seven bathrooms and two bedrooms. I'm thinking, why? Last time I checked, I'm going to use one at a time. No, it means you're going to, you may have a little cottage that has one bath and two bedrooms and just a, a great room. But God will take care of you. I am learning in my life that I'd rather have the joy of the Lord and the blessings of my family where I'm at than have all the money in the world and anything I could want. Do I still struggle with those things? Sometimes. Because I'm human. And that nature. 
but I'm learning, man, there's nothing better than Jesus in my heart. Nothing better than being where he wants you to be. And just celebrating every day. Because I've known people, know people that are stinking, filthy, wealthy, that are miserable. And lost their families. And lost everything that I would consider important, just so they can have more stuff. In another home in Vail, Colorado, or on the French Riviera. It's like, it's not worth it. The final verse in Matthew 6, Jesus says, is therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Four times in ten verses, Jesus says, do not worry. So he understands, doesn't it? We don't have to worry because God is coming. He's caring for each of us in the midst of our day to tell us, I'm there for you. I'm your good shepherd. I will carry you close to my heart. I will pull you near to me and heal your wounds. So you should have wonderful joy. A couple more lines in the psalm here. It says, he will restore my soul. And that word restore means he will bring me back. Sheep wander. You ever notice that? And when a sheep wanders away and knows it's lost, it gets scared to death. And they'll crawl under a tree or somewhere and start bleeding and calling. And what that says is, catch this, what that says is every wild animal near, food. Lamb chops. Okay, guys, follow the noise. And when the, and when the, the, the shepherd comes and he finds the sheep, it may be too scared to even move. So he's got to pick it up and carry it at home. And Jesus is saying, that's what I can do for you. If you're lost and lonely and don't know where to go and what to be, I want you to let you know, I'm coming for you. And I will find you where you are. And if you'll trust me, I'll I'll carry you back to where you need to be. Because I love you and I'm your shepherd and I want to care for you. This is almost enough to make you want to dance and shout and sing, isn't it? The final line here, and if the immersion team has it left, they can. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and staff comfort me. And the word valley of shadow of death is really the valley of deepest darkness. In Israel, there's a lot of deep valleys there, and sometimes your journey has to go through them. And in those valleys, there are, there are thieves that wait for you, there are wild animals that wait for you. If you get there at the wrong time, there can be a flesh flood that goes through with you. And you can literally lose your life at places like that. And, and David's saying, even though I've walked these deep, dark places in my life, you been there? I know he's with me because his rod and his staff give me comfort. The rod was, a, was like a mace. If you've ever seen all Middle Eastern maces, a short-handled thing with big spike end on the end of it. And the staff is a shepherd's rod, shepherd's staff, the crook on the end of it. One was to, to fight off the things that was coming at the sheep, and the other was to care for them and direct them and lift them out of the crevices they'd fallen in. So David says, when I'm in those deepest, darkest moments in my life, when I feel like I don't know where to go and I'm scared to death because there's so much fear in this dark place, I know he's with me and I will fear no evil. Because his rod and his staff bring me comfort. Say, wow. No wonder it's good news of great joy. For everybody, not just you shepherds, it's for everybody. Because behold, to you this day is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. Celebrate. Sing with the angels. It's like, wow. 
Because God is there to help you. God is there to protect you. God is there to watch over you. God is there to give you joy. God is there to lift you out of the darkness. God is there. Because his name is Emmanuel. God with us. Let me end this with a story. Ever heard of Kokomo, Indiana? This story comes out of Howard County, which Kokomo is the seat. Jerry Marr was a sheriff in Howard County. He got a call that a lot of grandparents would dread. His six-year-old grandson had been fishing off of a river. And a lady was coming across, lost control, and at 50 mile an hour hit his grandson. And Jerry said, I've been in a lot of accidents, a lot of accidents where that happened. He said, I was really scared. He got to the hospital. When he got there, he found his grandson awake, fairly good spirits. And he said, Mikey, what happened? And Mikey said, well, Papa, I was fishing with my dad and some lady run me over. And I flew into a mud puddle and broke my fishing pole. I didn't get to catch no fish. As it turned out, the impact knocked Mikey over 500 feet over trees and embankment, and he landed in a mud puddle. All he had was a broken femur, broken in two places. As he went underwent an operation to repair it, Grandpa, the sheriff, slipped out and bought him a new fishing pole at Walmart. Brought it back to him. The next day, as Grandpa's sitting in his, in his grandson's hospital room, and Mikey's practicing ca- ca- casting into the trash can there. And they're talking, and just... Rather offhandedly, Mike says, Papa, did you know Jesus is real? Well, Sheriff says, yes, Jesus is real to all who believe in him and turn to him. No, Mikey says, I mean, Jesus is really real. What do you mean? I know he's real because I saw him. You did? Yes, when that lady run me over and I broke my fishing pole, Jesus caught me and placed me in a mud puddle. Hmm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Because he's with me. His rod and staff bring me comfort and great joy. Because God is there with his children. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, for your truth. And Father, as we come to this time of just celebrating and worshiping, I just pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit will just lift our hearts and our spirits to you. That you'll flow through Crystal and the worship team, Father, and into our hearts. That we might truly celebrate the God who came to Joe the plumber and Ray the TV man and Bob the electrician and spoke to us all in ways we can understand. Say, I'm here for you. I want to care for you. Trust me. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.